Welcome back to the Mishmash of History podcast. Um, last week we did the rise of the craze. This week we're going to do their fall. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll explore <laughs> how they fell. Because yeah. last, last week we we, 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 um, we went through it and they seemed pretty unstoppable. So before we get to the actual story, I wanted mm-hmm. to tell you about a few characters before Ooh, okay. we delve in. So first okay. we have Frank Mitchell. Oh, Frankie. Um, he was called the Mad Axeman um, yep. because he... Didn't he... Didn't he, like, kill someone in prison with an axe? No. No. All right, you yeah. you, you explain that more than me. Yeah. I've got the notes, but it doesn't explain. Hmm. Okay, so what happened was Frank Mitchell was known as a nutter. Like, he was yeah. known as being a bit, yeah. like, not right in the head. Yeah, he was He was a bit special. Yeah. Yeah. So he was always, like, locked up in, in places like Dartmoor and other, like, high-security prisons. Mm-hmm. And would end up escaping. Mm-hmm. And one time, he escaped and ran into, like, an old woman's house. Oh. And then, in that house, he grabbed, like, a fire axe kind of thing. Not even that time. I think it was, like, a little, like... You know, like, the meat cleavers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, a meat cleaver. And then what... He did was like he shouted from inside the house like I've got an axe, don't come in, or this old woman's dead. And oh, then, so, uh, very polite, and then like, and then they kind of swarmed the like rope, like the house, and then he was taken back. And then he was just known as the Mad Axe Man. Damn. <laughs> um. So on December twelfth, nine nineteen sixty five, the craze helped. Um, Frank Mitchell uh, to escape Dartmoor Prison. Yeah, they did. Uh, the reason <laughs> why that is because Ronnie had befriended Mitchell while they were serving time together in Wadsworth. Yep, Wadsworth Prison. Um, a mental institution. Yeah, where they're both inmates. Uh, Mitchell yeah. felt that the authorities should have reviewed his case for parole, so Ronnie thought that he would be doing him a favour by getting him out of Dartmoor. Yeah. yeah. Mitchell thought he could get parole, but he was still a nutter. So mm-hmm. no one was going to give him. Yeah. They, yeah, they tried to get him, like, a sentence date. Yeah, and, and but the people were like, no, we're not letting that man out. No, the home office was like, fam. Like, he killed someone with a cleaver. <laughs> no, he never killed anyone. Did he not? Okay, no. well, he threatened people with a cleaver. He, put, he threatened to kill, and he was quite violent. Yeah, he held up a... Is it like a what is it called a hostage? He held us. He had a hostage situation. That's it. He had a yeah. So he was a bit dodged. Yeah. Um. Once Mitchell was out of prison, the craze held a held him at a friend's flat in Barking Road. Yep. East Ham, which yep. is in London, I think. Yeah. Two o six A Barking Road. That's the exact he, flat. He his this is description I got. He's yeah. a large man with mental. Uh, disorder and found it difficult to control. Mm-hmm. He disappeared, but the craze were acquitted of his murder. So people thought that because, because didn't they try to lobby the government to get him about um, parole with like mm. letters? I think you remember you telling me about it. They 
sent letters to the home office. Yeah. And to like the telegraph uh-huh. to try and get his story out there and to try and get him a like a cool. sentence date. Mm-hmm. But um, it never worked. Yeah, it never worked. So then, and then he didn't. He become like even more crazy, and he became basically a liability in that yep. flat. Uh, yeah. So they thought they killed him, but he was acquitted of his murder and house fight, but they were responsible for his death. Yeah. Everyone yeah. seems to think it is. Um. It's so because, another. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because it's, it's the truth. It's as the three people involved in his murder. Have mm-hmm. come out and said, "Yeah, we did it." So, <laughs> hmm, I wonder who did it then. Okay, and then you've got um, Jack McVitie, which ooh, is ooh. is he the one that gets kaput? He's the one in all the films that you watch that get brutally stabbed. Yeah, he's the one that gets like stabbed on that beanie or whatever he gets chucked on in Legend. In Legend, yeah, he gets he gets uh, thrown onto a sofa and then mm. stabbed. But that's so, not actually what happened. So on October 1967, uh, four months after the suicide of his wife, Frances, Reggie was allegedly encouraged by his brother to kill mm-hmm. Jack the Hat McVitie, yep. a minor member of the Cray Gang who had failed to fulfil a 1,000 contract Five hundred pounds, um, a one thousand pound contract. Mm-hmm. Five hundred pounds of which had been paid to him in advance to kill their yep. financial advisor, Leslie Payne. Yep. Because didn't well, because because when Reggie went to prison, mm-hmm. Ronnie um tried to take over the whole thing, yep. and he wanted he wanted to be more like, you know, uh, hands on. With the business, so he tried to get the Leslie Payne to send. Where did he? He was trying to do something in Africa, wasn't he? He wanted to build a city in Enugu. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Always remember that scene. That's the best scene. <laughs> he wanted to invest fifty thousand pounds to to make a city in Enugu, Nigeria. That's it. Oh. Did you know, Leslie, that Unugu means utopia? So, the fuck? Let's <laughs> have a quick Google Google Translate. <laughs> In the 60s, runs are quick. Get that book out. <laughs> quick. So, but then he didn't, didn't he not kill him, or he was like killed? Because he didn't he shoot him, but then he just went to a hospital and was fine. Well, that's what... Um, Leslie Payton. Yeah, that's what legend shows. I don't know the... The actual truth story. Yeah, I don't know the actual truth to that, but... Well... I know that Leslie was one of the main, like, contributors to, like, evidence against the craze. So, so I'm going to guess that had something to do with it. So this is the story that um, my research showed about the night he died. Mm-hmm. So McVitie was lured to a basement flat in Evering Road, yep. Stoke Newton, in the pre- pretense of a party. Upon yep. entering the premises, he saw Ronnie seated in the front room. Ronnie approached, letting loose a barrage of verbal abuse and cutting the deep below his eye uh, with a piece of broken glass. 
It is believed that an argument broke out between the twins and McVitie. As the argument got more heated, Veggie pointed a handgun at McVitie's head and pulled the trigger twice. But the gun failed to discharge, um, and so he stabbed him, basically. Yeah. Just over and over and over again. Because he's kind of where you see uh, Reggie, I don't know, it could, do you think Ronnie's like, mental disorder like kind of rubbed off on Reggie? No, I don't think Cause, that. Because towards the end, it becomes more like reckless. He's not no, recent, I... so is that. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's more because of Francis's death. Mm. I think. I think yeah, I was he, about to say that. I think he had paranoid schizophrenia, mm. but was able to control it because of being a t- not because of being a twin, but like you kind of get the idea of a one try say it's like um. Yeah, it's like that. Ron. Ron got it worse than he did, so Reg was able to control it. But then when Francis died, he kind of lost control of it. Lost control of everything. Because despite and... him like beating her or raping her, I can't remember what he did to her. He still loved her. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Tony and Chris Lambadu and Ronnie Ben Ronnie Bender. <laughs> Helped clear of the evidence of the, mm-hmm. this crime and attempted to assist in the disposal of the body. Yep. And and this is this is what our research showed because I, I wrote this down. This yep. event started many people get, turning against the craze, and some mm-hmm. were prepared to taste, test, testify to Scotland Yard as to what had happened. Yep. Fearing that what happened to McVitty could easily happen to them. Yeah, because McVitty was like a part of the gang, so they thought. McVitty was someone who did little things wrong mm. but was still like a member of the gang yeah so people but, thought yeah people thought like oh if one I fuck up, up and i'm dead yeah one fuck mm. up and I'm, that's it me gone in yeah. sofa. um yep. so this is this is the trial detect um detective chief superintendent i think it's a <laughs> Lee, <laughs> uh, superintendent Okay. That's his official, st- official okay. thing. Okay. Leonard Nipper Reed of Scotland. Oh, Leonard. Yard. Leonard Nipper Reed. Yeah. That's it. Was promoted to the murder squad, and his first mm-hmm. mission was to bring down the Quakers. During the first half of 1964, Reed had been investigating their activities while publicly, public publicity and official denials of Ron's relationship with Boothby made the evidence that he collected useless. Reed went after the twins again in 1967, but mm-hmm. frequently came up against the East End Wall of Silence, which discouraged anyone from providing information to the police. Yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about last episode. Yeah. It's like people trap themselves. If they said too much, yeah. there goes their family. Mm-hmm. There goes them. There goes their dog. So, so <laughs> they, it kind of become a wall of silence. Yeah. And then after the death of Cornell, that was, kind of just it kind rip, of rippled away. Yeah, you see it in most of the films. I know that you can't recall them credible. No, but, but it's a good visual adaptation mm, of what could happen. Yeah, what happened? Like Ron shot Cornell. Then, like one or two days later, people saw like, that they had to go, and yeah, know. the police was like, right, yeah. We can't put up with murder on the streets. 
No, so they actually had to mm. do something. Yeah. Um, to just to probably dismay Booth Bing. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the end of 1967, Reed had built up enough evidence against the craze. Witness mm-hmm. statements incriminated them as other evidences, but more, that, uh, but none made a convincing case on any one charge. Yeah, so he kind of had all this evidence, but w- he couldn't find one solid charge. Yeah. Since, like, he had all the evidence to put anyone away. But, <laughs> but he was like, what do I do to get them all done? But it was so spread that, that he was like, oh, I could get these two, but then them two would know. And yeah. That, he, like, just, he kind of needed enough evidence to get them all yeah. done. Yeah, all of his evidence was so spread out that he couldn't get them for any one thing. No. So it was, like, it was kind of, like, well played on on the craze parts. Yeah, that they... but <laughs> they put their crimes so sparsely that they couldn't actually get done of it. <laughs> yeah. But like it then just came on top on like the three murders that almost came like back to back. Yeah, so early in nineteen sixty eight, the craze employed Alan Bruce Cooper, who sent a Paul Enelvy to Glasgow to buy explosives for a car bomb. Yep. After police detained him in Scotland he so what while buying these bombs I can't mm-hmm. um Cooper was basically speeding so the police stopped him uh, oh yeah and found like a bomb <laughs> <laughs> so they were like right what you do with that um just uh, uh just, gonna, just gonna do some fireworking you know yeah you know um, mm. so the, the witness, um, no, hang on, sorry, I lost my page. This evidence, so he confessed to yep. be involved in the three murder attempts that had mm-hmm. ha- happened to, uh, the lawyer, the, you know, the other yeah. two. Mm-hmm. The evidence was weakened by Cooper, who claimed that there was an agent in the U.S. Treasury Department investigating in the American Mafia and the Craig Gang. Yep. Yeah, so so basically the police also was stopped then by someone going, oh yeah, this, you, it's kind of out of your hands now. Yeah. U.S. Treasury's kind of taken over. Yeah, the U.S. Treasury, MI5, and the FBI. No, CIA, I think it is. FBI or CIA, one of those two. Yeah. Like, big, like, agent-y kind of place in America. One of them, like... Those three were all working together to stop both the, like the three, the American Mafia, um, his bomb kind of business, and the craze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since at that time, the American Mafia and the craze had kind of started a deal. Yeah, but to no make... one really like touched them because of that deal. Yeah, to make the next Vegas in like in London. And then kind of when the craze started to go nutty, the American Mafia started to try and slip away. Yeah, they were like, damn, we've uh, we kind of picked the wrong people here. Yeah. And then that brought the bomb... The bomb squad. You know, that's what they're called, the bomb squad. <laughs> they brought the bomb squad in. Yeah, to deal with... And then I completely fucked up everything. <laughs> Yeah, so the botch murders were an attempt to put the blame on the craze. Yeah, so the mafia just like, just do that. 
Cooper was being employed by a source of one of the Reed's employers, officers, and Reed tried using him as a trap for the craze. But mm-hmm. they avoided him. The craze were smart. They were like, nah, we're not involved with that. Yeah, no. That's, that's not that's not us. Mm-hmm. Bruce, Co- Bruce Cooper, who was sent Paul LV, were major explosive dealers who worked for the craze, and then the American Mafia. So the police couldn't do anything and just bait drop the case on that part. Yeah. Now we move on to their imprisonment. Hey, and have we talked about Cornell yet? I don't think I'd bring up the Cornell. Why? What happened to Cornell? Oh, I actually don't think I've brought up Cornell. <laughs> We've just kind of mentioned it. We haven't said what happened. What happened to... Like, like, reevaluate me, because I... I uh, apparently, I haven't... Georgie, Georgie Cornell. Mm-hmm. Mr... East London went South London. <laughs> uh, <laughs> George Cornell was an East Londoner who moved down South to mm-hmm. South London and joined the Richardson gang. Mm-hmm. He was always seen as a traitor, obviously, because of the split in London that I spoke about last, last time. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Cornell always had like a big feud with the craze. And when uh, uh when it all started to go a bit downhill, like when sixty four I believe. Yeah, um sounds right. Sixty four, sixty five. Um Cornell was drinking in the blind beggar pub. Which is in East London. Mm-hmm. And Ron found out about it. And Cornell called him a fat puff the day before. Well, like sometime before. Someone said Ron went to the blind beggar with a gun. Walked shot in. Him. Walked in. Found Cornell. Shot him in the face. Left. Yeah. That is quite literally all that happened. And that also plays into the wall of silence. Because yeah. the one witness wouldn't say anything because they threatened... They threatened the family. Yeah, the bartender. They threatened her family. Yeah. Yeah, the barmaid. So, yeah, that plays into another, you know... Yeah, that part. plays into the start of the wall of silence, which then leads into um, Jack- Frank Mitchell... Yeah, the... and then that leads into Jack McVitie, then that leads into their imprisonment, which is now what I'm getting to. <laughs> yep. Eventually, eventually yep. after they, you know, decide to get off their arses, Scotland Yard decided to arrest <laughs> the craze. Yeah. On the evidence already collected, in the hope yep. that other witnesses would be forthcoming once the craze were in custody. On 8th of May 1968, the craze and 15 other members of the firm were arrested. Yep. Exceptional measures were used to stop collusion between the accused. Nipper Reed then secretly interviewed each of the arrested and offered each member of the firm a deal if they to testify against the others. Yep. Whilst in prison, the crazy had come up with a plan, which including having Scottish Jack Dixon to confess to the murder of Cornell, Ronnie Hart to take the McVitie murder, and Albert Donahue to stand up for the Mitchell disappearance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Donahue told the twins directly that he was not prepared to be conjoled into pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. The anger of the twins. He then informed Rhea via his mother that he was Reed, sorry, via yeah. his mother that he was ready to cooperate. Reed set up another secret interview with Donahue was the fir- and was the first to tell the police everything that he knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, they're in prison, they're in trouble. What are they gonna do? Yeah, he was. No, no, no. That was during the court case. Yeah, but he was like, you know, they're probably gonna go. Yeah, they're fucked. I want, I want to be on the right side. Yeah, they're fucked. So I'm just gonna say my piece yeah. and stay outside, please. <laughs> um. Also, what's the craze? Were like, oh yeah, let me say my piece and let me stay out. <laughs> yeah, what's the craze? Was just like, yeah, Donahue did it. Uh. Dixon did it, and Hart did it. I mean, technically... They could. They won't be wrong. <laughs> no, they were involved, at least. Because Donahue, Foreman, Charlie Cray, and one other were all in the van at the time Frank Mitchell was murdered. Yeah, so that one was right. Uh, so theoretically, Mitty... Freddie Foreman, Albert Donahue... Charlie Cray couldn't, he never shot. Mm. But whoever the other person was, I can't remember off the top of my head, who was in the van, could theoretically be put in by the Crays for killing them. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't be wrong if they did that. No, they wouldn't, but they, I guess they didn't want to, or maybe the yeah. police didn't go to them or something. So Ronnie Hart had initially not been arrested and was not a name initially sought after the police. With Donahue's mm-hmm. category, Hart was immediately arrested, offering <laughs> the same terms as the others. Hart then told Reed everything that had happened during the McVitie's murder, yeah. although he did not know anything about what happened to the body. This was the first time the police knew exactly who was involved and offered mm-hmm. them a solid case to prosecute the yeah. twins for the McVitie murder. Mm-hmm. Although Reed knew for certain that Ronnie Cray had been murdered, George Cornell in the Blind Beggar pub, no one had been prepared to testify against the twins out of obvious fear. Yep. Upon the finding out that the twins intended to conjole him, Scotch Jack Dixon also <laughs> turned in everything he knew about the Cornell. So basically, after the one guy who was at Donahue told Basically, it was a huge domino effect. Yeah, it was just that boom, 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 boom. As I know, Foreman was one of the people that went down with the craze. Yeah. Him and John Lambriano? I think that's his name. Hang on, that sounds like a name that I've got written down somewhere. Hang on, Superintendent. I love how we're in the how would it was Chris Lamb Lambanano. Yes, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, they they also went down with them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, Chris Lambriano. Never mind. After this, they managed to track down the barmaid who was working in the pub at the time of the murder. Give her mm-hmm. secret identity and give her, her and her family secret identity to testify to seeing Ronnie kill 
uh, Cornell, and she she just immediately went, "Yeah, that was him." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Mitchell's escape and disappearance were much harder to obtain evidence for, since <laughs> the majority of those arrested weren't involved with the plan, escape, and disappearance. Mm-hmm. We decided to proceed with the case anyway, and with a separate trial for Mitchell once the twins had been convicted, so they could yep. kind of get more evidence and yeah. put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once they were just immediately like they put the put to yeah. fifty-five years in prison, thirty years, thirty-five years, yeah, thirty. Oh, yeah, I read, years. oh yeah, I read that. Yeah, thirty-five years. Um, in prison for being at least involved in the murders yeah. of... It was also... Their court case out. was also the longest court case in UK history. Is it? Did not know that. Mm-hmm. How long did it go on for? I don't know how long it went on for. I just know that it was the longest court case. I'll look yeah. it up quick, how long it was. Yeah, you look that up. So uh, they carry on about their prison... Life. Yeah, they spent they spent majority of their time in solitary confinement. At least Reggie did. Um, yeah. Ronnie started a gang <coughs> in prison, um, which basically got him whatever he wanted, and he was just I think he yeah people were scared of the showers after. <laughs> um, where they. Yeah, because they their meeting place for their gang was in the showers, so they <laughs> trade like, alcohol, booze, phone, drugs probably, and just in the showers because there was no cameras, obviously. Mm. So they could do anything in there. Um, I think a lot of sex went on, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, and then Reggie. All I know apparently is Reggie spent a lot of time in confinement and every time he went out of confinement mm-hmm. he'd punch a guard and go back in yeah it was because on his own he was actually scared of other people yeah because mm. um he like he kind of realized when he first got there that if he were to get like beaten up in prison and like fucked up then like, like it'll tarnish their name. Mm. Yeah. So he was just, he just kind of stood there and just. He's like, kind yeah. of stayed in, in solitary confinement. Was better inside than out. He actually, he was actually in. Reggie was actually in prison about half an hour away from where we live. Really? Yeah, he was in Maidstone for like, one or two years. Damn. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's all that I found on his their imprisonment. But the mm-hmm. later years, Ronnie and Reggie Cray were allowed under a large police guard, and this was one oh, of is... the lar- largest police guard for prisoners. I think it was over 15 prisoners were with them, yeah. and then another 20 were surrounding the area <laughs> to attend the funeral service of their mother, Violet, on 11th of August. They were not allowed to attend their burial in the Cray family plot at Chingford Mount Cemetery. Mm -hmm. They were also, uh, during the funeral, they were also handcuffed to like big bulky gathers. Yeah, 
And but they were only allowed not allowed to go to the burial was because Ronnie had bit off someone's ear. <laughs> Fucking hell. And because and because Ronnie wasn't going, Reggie said no, nah, he wasn't gonna go. Yeah. So they still kind of stayed yeah. you know, united in that front, I guess. Mm-hmm. Also, when they showed up to the funeral Mm. Um, they kind of had, like, an audience. Yeah. This is what I was about to say. The funeral was attended by celebrities, including Diana Dawes and underworld figures. Like, celebrities came, Mm. because they all knew her, their mother. Yeah. Yeah. So their mother was this... And she owned a pub. Well, the mum. Yeah. They bought her Esmeralda's barn, I think. Oh. Or they gave her a pub. Yeah. I remember that. So so celebrities knew her. Like As that. like a... No, but have you seen the clip of them two arriving at uh, Violet's funeral? No. They're like getting out of the car. They're like they're both like cuffed to like... These big, big bulky... Big bulky like gym lads. <laughs> and like there's like audiences of people like going like oh my god it's reggie it's it's reg and like they're like like it's like as if like a celebrity had actually come and like and like they were like all like waving and like trying to like ha- like ha- like give him handshakes and shit and it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah because they were just you know they were they were criminals it's like what the fuck so I guess they got good reception. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to avoid the publicity they had surrounded them, the twins did not ask for men to attend the father's funeral in March 19... No. Uh, 83. Nah, they didn't like their dad. Nah, I'm guessing his dad was a bit of a dick. Yeah. Running Actually, hey, I know, th- oh, I know no, this no. isn't the... I know this isn't the fault, but... Mm-hmm. I know why they didn't like their dad. If you why didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't um, know why. They didn't like their dad because he used to abuse their mum. Oh. Mm. Like he, like he was like a worker, and then would just kind of come back, hit the wife, have a drink, then go upstairs and go to bed. But when Ron was sick. I want to say um, his dad came in thought no one was home hit Violet Ron was listening in upstairs Ron ran down and like shouted at his dad and said like no one fucking hits my mum and punched him in the nose <laughs> so they were and hardcore they, yeah. at young age and then kind of just screamed at his dad, like, don't you ever fucking touch my mum again. <laughs> Go on, Ronnie. And guess what? What? Then he never did. Nope. <laughs> mm. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, clearly it was. Clearly it worked. Yeah, clearly it worked. So, Ronnie Cray was an mm-hmm. A-category prisoner. Denied almost all liberties and not allowed for a short period 
um, after they found out he was doing drugs in the, the showers. <laughs> he was not allowed to mix with other prisoners. Nope. He was eventually certified insane. Yep. Paranoid schizophrenia being tempered and constant medication. In 1979, he was permitted and lived the remainder of his life in Broadmoor Hospital, Crawford, on Berkshire. Yep. Which is basically like a mentor where he lived out the rest of his days. Yeah. He died there. He died there in 1995. Mm. Reggie Cray, constantly Mm. being refused parole and locked up in medicine prison for eight years, category B, so it's category B prisoner. In yeah. 1997, after Labour had won their election, <laughs> he was transferred to the category C, Warri- where Wayland prison in Norfolk. Yep. In 1985, officials at the Broadmoor Hospital discovered a business card of Ronnie's that led to evidence that he would transfer from separate institutions were opening, operating Crayley Enterprise, a lucrative bodyguard and protective business, is for Hollywood stars. Yep. Together with their older brother Charlie Cray and accomplished at large among their clients with, was mainly the big one was Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Get off, he'd Frank. Go in, he'd go in, he'd be like, shit, what if I get stabbed up in the East End? Yo, yo, Cray. <laughs> yep. Yeah. As he was already on good terms with them. Yeah. Because they'd be photographed with him and, like, he'd come to their, like, clubs and that, so... Yeah, he was was good old chums, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know. Best mates with the craze, innit? He hired 18 bodyguards from the Crazy Enterprise to come visit the 1985 Wimbledon Championships. Documents unreleased and the Freedom of Information laws revealed that although officials were concerned about the operation, they believed there was no legal basis to shut it down. They did mm-hmm. shut down in 1990 after Charlie Craig dismembered the board of the company. Yeah. Basically, he went, right guys, stop drinking your beer, go home. Yep, go home. Um, and in... Hang on. You quickly switched up your script. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find it. Hang on. Um... <laughs> so in August 2000, mm-hmm. Reggie Cray was allowed yep. on bail because yep. he had um, cancer. Liver cancer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then two or three months later, he died. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. He died October. So he died four months after he was released, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Cray died. Uh, no, sorry, Ronnie Cray. Ron died 1995 to a heart attack. Yeah. And, uh... Yes, he saw himself in the mirror. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Reg wasn't allowed to go see him. to the... Yeah, yeah. see his funeral. Yeah. So, that is, overall, the mm-hmm. rise, 
and the fall of the Crows. The rise, oh. the fall, and the death of the Crows. Yeah. The entire <laughs> lifespan of their criminal years. That is the life of the Crows. Pretty much. We didn't go over their childhood years, pretty much, but... Not much, but... You know, we were there. We got a grasp. So, before every historical period, we will do one final thing. Oh, yeah, and I'm calling this. it the final caucus. It's basically a question based on... I will find based on um, the topic. Now, for, for this this episode, I, I told Fred this a bit. Did you... Yeah, you've told me this. I haven't thought about it, but I have an answer. I, I, I'll, let, I'll, I'll say it and then... But did you have a little think about it? Yeah. After I told you, yeah. Not much, but yeah. Little, you know, little ponder. Yeah. Sitting on the, sitting on the bog, just... Sitting on the bog going, oh, fuck. <laughs> right, so, the question is, do you think, in the future, we will ever see a crime family or a crime organisation like the Cray? No. No? Nope. Why not? Because no one's civ- like civilized. <laughs> no one has the um, the patience, quote unquote, and the like calmness to make it. So elaborate. So if you look at gangs now, mm-hmm. you've the pretty blood. much yeah, you've got the Bloods, the Crips, then you've got Roadmen. <laughs> average road man yeah how many of those do you think are going to be sat there going we're going to meticulously plan our protection rackets and we're going to build up an empire in london yeah exactly (laughs) i also think that they will not be because we have so much surveillance yeah people can't get away with dropping litter with at least one camera picking it up in London. Yeah, let alone so, someone getting shot in a pub. Yeah, for <laughs> everyone to see. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think there will ever. No. Be something like that within London, or. It might be able to happen in America. Yeah, but, but I don't think there'll be one major one. No, it won't be yeah. like a Capone or a. Or a Pacino, not Al Pacino, it's a fucking actor, you dumbass. Escobar. Like, it won't be an Escobar or a... Or a Capone. Or a Cray. No, no I don't think there'll ever be You're... a single or family organisation yeah. for crime. Since, as like now, um, it's almost like as if they're going, like, Native American. Excuse with me. crime. <laughs> it's a really weird like way to... <laughs> So it's like like before you had like almost countries of crime. Yeah. So so you had like one family here, one family there. You might have like three families running certain parts of New York. Let's say. But now you've just got loads of little gangs spread everywhere so that you could have like five different gangs who run nothing really in New York 
and then another 20 in Illinois and then like 15 in London like it's almost like as if they're all like their own little tribe so that none of them they'll never never organize yeah they'll never be organized enough to to be like hey yo what's up because then it's like oh well you're a part of a different gang fam fuck off It's like how Native Americans were with their tribes. Like, like, mate, you, like mate, you ain't part of a tribe. Piss off. Yeah, I get what you mean now. Yeah, I kind of... <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely agree with you in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the rise and the fall of the Cray twins. Yeah. Thank right. you for watching. Thank, um, you, for, thank we'll, you for watching. Thank you for listening. Yep, I don't think you'll watch us, but sure, if you want to watch the yeah. logo, <laughs> if you watch the logo and um, and some and some different pictures, sure, hell yeah, check out our YouTube. But um, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will see you with whatever topic we pick next. <laughs> I'll shove a poll underneath this one. You can pick which one you want to do. I doubt anyone's actually going to do anything on it, but... But, you know. I'll stick a poll on there, and if we get some form of answer... Yeah, we'll we'll shove it into the... Then we'll do that one. So, we'll see you guys in the next episode of Mishmash. Of History Podcast.